we started our series with learning a little bit about what prophecy was and how these significant holy women, the Shiva, Navios, the prophetesses, are all teaching us very impactful lessons. And we spoke about Sarah and her power of chesed and how she was able to repair the three pillars of this earth. She was able to repair Torah, Avodah, and Gamil's chesedim. And tonight we are going to learn about Miriam and her power of speech and the continuation of Jewish continuity. So what we're going to do is we're going to understand the era that she lived in and understand about what her name represented, Mariam, Miriam, and if that will allow us to learn a little bit about her story. So her name will teach us about who she was. So let's get started with this new era in time. So we left the worlds of the matriarchs and patriarchs. The era of the matriarchs and patriarchs can be referred to as the roots, okay? So when you plan things, you start off, you put these things underground, and you don't necessarily know where it's going to go from there, right? So we're planting right now. My son, he's planting. He actually left to camp, and he put me in charge now. So I have the oregano just sprouted, dill. We skipped the sage because nobody really uses sage, but we have the parsley coming, right? So when you plant and you put them down there, you don't know where it's going to go. It takes some time for it to actually like, you know, come forth. So with the era of the matriarchs and the patriarchs, we have what we call the time period of the roots, the era of roots. And now that has since been over. We now enter the story of the Jewish people going down to Egypt. And now we have Miriam. And we are introduced to Miriam at a very young age. She's a toddler in the story. She's five years old when she first prophesied. And we're going to learn how her prophecy was so important, not just for the survival of the Jewish people, but also really for the birth of Moshe. So it goes like this. We're talking 350 years since Sarah. So we jumped 350 years since last week, and now we are going to understand how the Jewish people ended up in Egypt. So there were Abraham and Sarah, right? Yitzchak and Rivka, and then we have Yaakov together with Rachel and Leah and the 12 tribes are now a nation of, I want to say, about 70 people. That's what, the, that's what the Torah records. 70 people arrived down in Egypt due to a famine and a hunger. So now we come down to Egypt. Yochavet is actually born on their way into Egypt. And the Jewish people start to live their life. Things are going okay, but they are immediately presented with an Egyptian lifestyle. So now Egypt, okay, was Mitzrayim, was actually a very deep, dark place. And we spoke about this in our first class when we were talking about Nevuah and about prophecy. We spoke about that there is the opposite of Nevuah, of prophecy, of that imaginative, creative world, which is the world of dark magic. And that was the world that Mitzrayim and the Egyptians were immersed in, a very dark deep, scary place. And originally the Jewish people started off as volunteering as tribute, hunger game style. And they said, we're going to help, we're going to build. And they did, and they were helping out. And there was one tribe, the Shevet of Levi, who did not get involved in that, in that work. Um, and that was because Yaakov actually gave them the ability to transmit the Torah. So this is, by the way, the Levim, eventually come the Levim and the Kohanim. They had the ability to transmit the Torah. Now, it wasn't just teaching them Hebrew like an all pan class. It was actually being able to transmit this concept of understanding reality on a much deeper level. So I'll give you an example. Adam, he had this ability and he passed it on to his child and who eventually passed it on to Noah, who eventually passed it on to his son, 
um, Shame, who created an institute, Shame Ve'ever, where all the Avos actually went to go learn. So this ability to transmit Torah and to understand reality was the koach that Adam had, that he was able to name the animals. You know that he looked at an animal and he said, oh, that wasn't just a dog, that's a kelev, right? Or he was, when he was naming all the animals, he understood more than there was just on a surface. He understood the deeper meaning of reality. And that character trait, that mida was passed on to Levi, which will eventually allow them to be the Kohanim and the Levian. So Levi, the Shevet of Levi, was not involved in any of the Avoda. And that was the Shevet of Amram and Yochaved, the superstars of tonight's show. So Yochaved, she was a midwife and she had a child and her name was Miriam and she had a son and his name was Aaron. Okay. So this is before Moshe. This is pre-Moshe. Okay. So what happened was they were enslaved. The Jewish people were enslaved and it was backbreaking labor and it was really, really bad. Now Amram, even though he was not involved in the actual physical labor, because he was, like I said, from the Shevet of Levi, he still had a lot of difficulties. There was a lot of hard work. And for the women, it was very hard. They say there was like psychological warfare where they made the women do men's jobs. So it was very, very difficult. So even though it was very difficult, even though he wasn't involved in the actual physical labor, it was still very difficult for him. So now there is a very interesting idea where men and women do not have an intimate relationship during the time of disaster. And we learn this from when Noah was in the Teva. So it says that Noah when he and his wife and his sons and their wives entered the Teva, they went in separately because it was a time of disaster. There was a flood. But it says when they left the ark, when they left the Teva and everything was back to normal, they came out together. So this teaches us that there's an idea that an intimate relationship between a husband and wife does not occur during a time of disaster. And the same thing happens during a hunger or a famine and backbreaking labor. And especially during this time when any son that was born was going to be thrown into the ocean, he was going to be thrown into the river, right? Because Paro had this vision that there was going to be a baby boy and he was going to save the Jewish people. So he felt immediately if there was any baby born and he was told by his advisors to throw them into the water because his death will be by water. So here, what ends up happening is that Amram separates from his wife because he felt, how can I bring children into this world? Now, here comes Miriam, a five-year-old with a big mouth, which I'm familiar with because I have a bunch of those at home, comes up to his father and says, Daddy, you, what you are doing is worse than what Paro did. Paro, he only decreed on the baby boys, but you decreed on the Jewish women, on the Jewish uh, girls to be born also. Now, if I was in that situation, I know here I'm on Instagram Live, I would send that five-year-old to their room, right? Off with your head. You don't talk to your mommy like that. But what ends up happening is, is that Amram obviously was a very intelligent, brilliant person. And he was a man living during the time of Mitzrayim when things were very, very dark. It teaches us an incredible lesson of humility. Now, it's very, very difficult for an older person to take um, advice from a younger person and specifically their own child. Cause come on, you know better, but he actually really listens to his daughter and he says, you know what? Tell me more. Tell me more about what you're saying. And we learned something fascinating here about between men and women. We learned that men, and this is just a little relationship advice here, men, they are actually better at understanding and fulfilling the idea of truth. They pursue the truth. They want to understand it. They're very concrete and they need to see the truth follow through. So he says, one second, you're telling me something that must be true. Now, just like men have a strength in truth, women have a strength in faith. 
And when we talk about faith, it's very hard because you're like, oh, have a little bit of faith, believe in him. What does real faith, real emuna mean that Miriam personified? Real faith is understanding that everything comes from Hashem. Everything difficult comes from Hashem and everything that's difficult is there for a tikkun, is there for me to grow. And Miriam recognized that deep down something is going to be happening and she tells her father, you know what? You're doing something worse and if you don't get back with Yochaved, with my mother, with your wife, then at that child, Moshe, will not be born and we will be stuck here forever. And what ends up happening is because Amram was seeking the truth and because he was so humble, he listened to his daughter and he went and he remarried his wife. And when he did that, all the men that had separated from their wives reunited with their wives. And then at their wedding, the Medrash says that Miriam was dancing, okay, with her brother Aaron, saying that my mother is going to have a child, and that child is going to save the Jewish people. And then they get back together, and that child is born, and that child is Moshe. And only years later, when Miriam is standing by the water, does her prophecy come true. And it says there, when she stood there by the water, it says, Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took her drum and danced and sang to Hashem. And it's interesting fact, like why then does it mention that, oh, now she's in Nevi'ah? And also it only mentions Aaron. Isn't Moshe the more famous one? I mean, Moshe is the one who took them out of Egypt. He took them out of Mitzrayim. So why is it specifically pointing out? And it's fascinating because only then did Miriam's Nevi'ah become true. Miriam's prophecy became true when they stood there by the water. When they stood there and they crossed the water, that was when it became true. And it teaches us that it was the sister of Aaron because only when she was the sister of Aaron did that did her prophecy happen. That's when it happened, when she didn't even have Moshe, when she was only the sister of Aaron. Already at that point in her life, she was a prophetess. She was a Nevi'ah. And that's when it became true. Now we have to look at her name to understand her further. And it goes like this. Miriam is um, uh, actually, it's a combination of two words which is the combination of the word mar and yam. So yam, we know, is water. And what does mar represent? So now there's a big difference between bitterness and depression or despair. So now despair, I think we've all gone through this during corona, right? We've all hit moments where we are in despair, which quickly spirals into depression, where we're so overwhelmed. We're like, oh my gosh, everything is so much bigger. Everything is too great. I can't handle this. And when that depression hits you, you seek to escape it. And people can escape it with chocolate cake, or people can escape it with binge watching or alcohol. But what ends up happening is that despair leads you to escape reality. Bitterness is something different. Bitterness causes you to what we call in Hebrew, Mary, which means to rebel. So her name was bitter. She was Mar, but she turned that Mar into Mary, which is rebellion. And if you look through history, any time that there were, people were bitter, people were upset about something, it always led to revolution. So global history, my whole life, my favorite subject, right? The Industrial Revolution caused scientists to come out and the scientific revolution. We have the difficulties, the French revolution. All of a sudden we have the Renaissance period. We have art and science whenever, and by the way, the same is with the Hasidic movement. It came from a rebellion. People wanted something more. 
this was the first place that we see somebody rebelling against their life circumstance. And this was Miriam. Miriam was saying, it's bad here. It's really, really bad here. Babies aren't living. They're being thrown into the river. We have backbreaking labor. Power was killing Jewish babies and bathing, bathing in their blood. And it was so bad. So she can turn her pain into despair and depression and spiral into something wild or she can turn that bitterness into something incredible, which is really Mary, which is rebellion. She was bitter, but she used it for the right thing. She used it to rebel, to overcome her circumstance. She caused her parents to get back together, and then she allowed Moshe to be born, and that was what took us out. And we see it many times, and I know this is a class on holy women. We see a lot of times where the women had that faith, that burning, burning faith that allowed the Jewish people to get out of Egypt. And it says that because of the righteous women of Egypt, Yocheved and Miriam and all the other women, we were able to get out of Mitzrayim. And eventually that's what's going to lead us out. So what we learn from Miriam's prophecy is her mar transformed her into something called, she took the yam and she transformed it. So what do we know about water, yam, the sea? So between me and you, I'm a little scared of the ocean and that's why I stick to pools because the ocean is very scary, right? And it's very deep and it's dark and there are waves and you pop up and then you come down and you don't see anybody. And to navigate the sea is very difficult. Speaking of global history, right? When the explorers went out, they're like, oh, let's go find India. And all of a sudden they're in like, you know, South America, right? And they're like, oh, they couldn't find things because they couldn't navigate it. Nobody can navigate and chart the waters like you can chart New York City streets. The water is deep, it's dark, it's creative. It's Hashem's zone of being able to build. And what ends up happening is that Miriam, with her mar, she takes her bitterness and she actually is able to chart the seas and the water and to navigate it to the point that at the water, when they cross the sea, that is when her prophecy came true. And furthermore, when the Jewish people were in the desert, they actually were blessed with what we call Be'er Miriam, which was the rock of Miriam. That gave water and fresh spring, fresh spring water to the Jewish people while they were in the desert, when there was no water. So what we see is that Miriam, a combination of those two words of taking bitterness and being able to use it for the water is who she was and what she stood for. She instilled faith with the Jewish people within her family, within the tribe of Levi, and she eventually teaches us, all the Jewish people for the future generations, on how to be able to eventually be redeemers. So I wanted to thank you all for joining, and I hope that you can stay um, along for the rest of the series, because next week we're going to be doing Devorah, and if anybody's had any questions, they can absolutely reach out to me through Instagram or through Thank You Hashem. I hope you all joined, and have a great night.